Do you ever feel as though nobody really gets you or knows who you are? Pastor Ed Taylor shares this encouraging word. God knows me. He knows all about what I'm worried about, what I'm concerned about. He knows when I'm happy. He knows why I'm happy. He knows, I, even when I don't verbalize things in my relationship with God and yours, he knows you. He knows you. Right now, he knows you. You know, as far as he's concerned... We've all gotten ready and gotten prepared, and we know we're heading out of the house. So we've taken a shower, we put clothes on. We, we all have presented ourselves, but you know God sees through that. He sees through all that. He doesn't see just the outward of a man. He knows the inside of you and me. And he loves us so much that he'll give us the answer to questions that we don't even ask. This is amazing grace. Welcome to another Abounding Grace with Pastor Ed Tanner. We'll be in John chapter 8 today if you want to head there now. Pastor Ed, in today's lesson, you're going to underscore some beautiful words of freedom. And there's been a lot of talk about freedom in the last couple of years. And today we'll see that Jesus alone provides the freedom that we long to experience. Would you kind of set the table for our discussion? Well, we come up on John chapter 8. We're jumping in at about verse 21, and there's tremendous freedom that Jesus offers that is only found in him. And he is wanting to draw us into a place where we are in real relationship with him, where we know and believe and live in relationship with the great I am. And it's it's important because even as you're going to learn, those that were listening to him at the day at the time misunderstood, uh, took exception with the word free and completely misunderstood it. And because they misunderstood it, they misapplied it. And because they misapplied it, they missed it completely. If the sun sets you free, you will be free indeed. So with that, let's jump right into our message, Set Free by the Son of God. Here's Pastor Ed once again. Open your Bibles to John chapter 8, if you would. John chapter 8. We're going through the book of John together here in our weekend services. Discipled by Jesus. Encouraged by him. Challenged by his teachings. I mean, today is one of those encouraging Bible studies. We're going to end in John chapter 8, verse 36, where, where Jesus says at the end of this section, he says, therefore, if the Son makes you free, you'll be free indeed. And God wants us to walk in that freedom. That is ours by faith. That Jesus does set the person free. He does set the man free. He does set the woman free. He sets families free. He sets new legacies. And when he does that, we only have the choice to walk in that freedom and to enjoy it. I mean, there's a lot of talk about freedom today, isn't there? There's a lot of talk about freedom because none of us want to be in bondage to anything. 
I mean, we want to exhibit the freedom. We happen to live in a country that extols freedom, that extends freedom. It is one of the places on the planet today that demonstrates really the most freedom that we see in any other country in the world. And yet it's imperfect. No man can promise you complete freedom. There's no such thing as complete political freedom or complete financial freedom or all the other types of freedoms that are available. Only true freedom comes in a relationship with Jesus Christ. There is no other source. All other types of freedoms that we enjoy are really secondary. They're secondary to to a real relationship with Jesus. And we pick up now in verse 21 of John chapter 8 where Jesus continues teaching He continues teaching those that are in the area there, and he says, I am going away, and you will seek me and will die in your sin. Where I go, you cannot come. So the Jews said, will he kill himself? Because he says, where I go, you cannot come. And he said to me, you are from beneath, I am from above. You are of this world, I'm not of this world. Therefore I said to you that you will die in your sins, for if you do not believe that I am he... And just pause there for a second. You'll notice in your Bible, if you want to look back at there, the word he is in italics. And remember, in the New King James Version of the Bible, when a word is in italics, it is inserted by the translators to help us give us context and meaning in the sentence. Because Greek, when you read Greek, it doesn't read like English, like our English. It doesn't read in nice flowing sentences. So on occasion, the translators will help us understand. But you could read your text without any of the italicized words. So you could read the end of verse 24. If you do not believe that I am, you will die in your sins. So Jesus is declaring to you the bad news of the gospel. We often refer to the gospel as the good news, and it is. But this is the bad news of the gospel. And the bad news of the gospel is this. If you die in your sins, you will go to hell. That's the bad news of the gospel. And it is bad news. Who wants to live eternally separate from the God that loves him? Who, who truly, when it comes down to it, would choose what's best for themselves, would choose to live in a life separated from God forever? That's the bad news. The good news of the gospel is that Jesus Christ came, sent by the Father, to live, he died, and he rose again to forgive you of your sins. That the good news is that if you will embrace Jesus as your Savior, you won't have to spend eternity apart from Jesus. But listen, you've got to hear the bad news in order to appreciate the good news. You've got to recognize that there is no other alternative in your life. Now, I realize that many of you stand, sitting here in front of me, you, you have a relationship with Jesus already, and for that I'm grateful. I realize that you have already made that eternal decision. But so many listening in haven't. And maybe listening in on the radio or on a television somewhere or a a screen, a phone screen or a computer screen. And they're searching for meaning in their lives. They're searching for purpose and they're searching for the answer and the solution to the issues in their life. And I'm here to declare to you on behalf of God, the good news of the gospel is that if you will embrace Jesus Christ, you will be saved. The bad news is... That if you die in your sins, you'll receive what you've requested. You know, if you live your whole life living separate from God, and you don't change your mind before you die, 
then eternity will be consumed with the desires and the decisions that you've made here on earth. And Jesus is very clear. He wants them to know. There's been a great event that just took place. We spent a lot of time in it. That woman that was caught in adultery, trying to trick and trap Jesus. She gets saved. Everything changes. The, The religious rulers walk away. They try to trap her and use her. Walked away in shame. They they were they they were they they instead of staying and getting saved, they left discouraged. They left you know in their own sin. And so for the people that were watching this all go down, Jesus takes the opportunity and goes, you know, if you die in your sins, it's not going to be good for you. If you die in your sins, man, it's, it's eternity apart from me. But if you believe in me, and, and that phrase I am in verse 24 is no small phrase. Jesus is once again declaring himself to be God. He is not only the son of God, but he is God the son He says, I am. You see, the audience, being Jewish, would immediately connect this phrase, I am, in the Greek, with this very similar phrase that's found in the Old Testament in the Hebrew. Turn back with me, would you, to Exodus chapter 3. Exodus chapter 3. They would immediately tie and connect this together. In that episode with Moses speaking directly with God, remember God is going to deliver the children of Israel from Egypt and he's going to use Moses as the tool. But Moses is concerned because he's like, if I go to them, who do I say sent me? So turn your attention, Exodus chapter 3, pick up with me right there in verse 13. Exodus 3, verse 13, Moses said to God, Indeed, when I come to the children of Israel and say to them, The God of your fathers has sent me to you, and they say to me, What's his name? What shall I say to them? God said to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, Thus you shall say to the children of Israel, I am has sent me to you. Go back to John 8, but this time go all the way to the end of the chapter in verse 58. We're not going to get to that today in our study, but I do want to give you a heads up that Jesus makes it very clear, this association. In John chapter 8, verse 58, Jesus said to them, Most assuredly I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. And in a future study, we're going to put together all the I am statements that are in John But for us now, you see that the belief is not just some general spiritual belief, but it's the belief that Jesus Christ is God who's paid the price for your sins and mine. Verse 25 now. And they said to him, who are you? Now, this question isn't really a sincere question, but I love how Jesus just continues on. They they know who he is, and Jesus acknowledges that by saying, He said to them, just what I've been saying to you from the beginning. There's nothing new. He's revealed himself who he is. He's been, he's demonstrated that. And I love how he's patient with them. Who are you? Well, I just said who I am. You know who I am. It's, nothing's different. I'm the, I'm the person I've revealed myself from the very beginning. And he's so patient, loving in them. And you'll see why he's patient in a moment. So encouraging. They heard him correctly. They didn't have an intimate knowledge of Jesus, though, yet. They they weren't connected to him. They knew of him, but they didn't know him. They they had heard about him. They had heard his teaching, but hadn't decided to follow him. You could say that they had knowledge, but there was no change in their life. There was no commitment. 
At this moment in time, if they would have died, they would have died in their sins, eternally separate from him. They had the facts, but they never acted on them. In my reading and my studies, I came across a man by the name of Dr. Gordon A. Owls, A-L-L-E-S, Alice. He is a noted chemist and a man who helped pioneer the development of insulin. Such a great tool that's being used even today for the treatment of diabetes. And as you study his life, you read about his life, you know, this doctor, you know what he died of? Complications from diabetes. He's the one that invented. He's the one that developed. He's the one that had knowledge, first-hand personal knowledge of how to deal with this dreaded disease of diabetes. But he ends up dying of the very disease that he helped invent and did develop a solution to. And I find that that is, that is so common among people when it comes to their information about God. They know what they need to do. They know. They understand. They have a full understanding without any pastor ever explaining it to them that they've sinned and fallen short of God's perfection. They know that. They don't need some pastor explaining it to them. I mean, I will, but they don't need it. And they recognize that they have been created by someone outside of themselves. They, they just weren't dropped here from another planet or come up from some mud in the backyard. And, and there I am. Well, look what we found in the backyard, honey. What is it? An eyeball. Well, we better bring it in because we know that eyeball is going to become a bit. I mean, we know that the stuff that's passed off today is reality, is not reality. They have the acknowledgement of a creator. And I find, you know, for this, for this guy that, that, that invented insulin, you think, well, what happened? Well, nobody ever got to find out. He died before anyone talked to him. I mean, a couple of options of what happened. Number one, he just didn't know he had the, the disease. Um, but that would be hard because the symptoms are pretty pronounced. Um, it would be hard, especially if you spend your whole life studying a disease. You know exactly what you're dealing with. But the second one could be just, I, I think, probably fits the pattern and really fits the text as well. And, you know, with the irony of the man who knew more about the cure for diabetes than anyone else in the whole world dying of the disease. You know, he, he knew, but he didn't take advantage. He knew he had the knowledge, but he didn't act on it. So when you ask the question, who are you, to Jesus, that's an important question. How you answer that question will determine your eternity. You know, Jesus wasn't just a prophet. He wasn't just a teacher. He wasn't just a good man. He wasn't just, uh, you know, someone that did good in the world. He, as he's declared and demonstrated, is God in human flesh, and he's alive today. The good news of the gospel is that your sins can be forgiven. The bad news is if you don't believe in Jesus, you've taken life into your own hands. And you can expect to spend eternity apart from him. Now, verse 26, he says, I have many things to say and to judge concerning you, but he who sent me is true. And I speak to the world those things which I heard from him. Again, reaffirming that intimate knowledge and relationship that he has with the Father. Except that verse 27 says they didn't understand that he spoke to them of the Father. They're tracking with him, but this one they didn't get. So what does Jesus do? He answers even things. I love this because it doesn't say they verbalize this. It doesn't say, wait a minute, Jesus, what are you talking about? It just says they didn't understand. And, and Jesus answers the question that they never verbalized. That's encouraging to me. That, that reminds me that God knows me. That he knows me. 
that, that he knows all about what I'm worried about, what I'm concerned about. He knows when I'm happy. He knows why I'm happy. He knows, I, even when I don't verbalize things in my relationship with God and yours, he knows you. He knows you right now. He knows you. You know, as far as he's concerned, We've all gotten ready and gotten prepared, and we know we're heading out of the house. So we've taken a shower, we put clothes on. We, we all have pre- presented ourselves, but you know God sees through that. He sees through all that. He doesn't see just the outward of a man. He knows the inside of you and me. And he loves us so much that he'll give us the answer to questions that we don't even ask. <laughs> And that's what's happening here. Jesus said, when you lift up the Son of Man, verse 28, then you'll know that I am he, and that I do nothing of myself, but as my Father taught me, I speak these things. And he who sent me is with me, and the Father's not left me alone, for I always do those things that please him. Answering questions that weren't even asked, he once again reminds the audience and reminds us of the intimacy that he has with the Father, that unique relationship that he passes on to us to really seek to please the Father. Isn't that a great phrase at the end of verse 29? For I always do those things that please him. I mean, can you say that? Can you say that? I'll answer that question. I can't. I can't say that. I can't say that I always do the things that please the Father. Even if I got it 100% uh, accurate and perfect going forward, when I look back on my life, I've failed so miserably so many times that I can't use the word always. I don't always please the Father. I, I don't always live my life in a way and make decisions that please the Father. But I can say this, my heart's desire is to please the Father. Uh, I can't say this, I want to. I desire to. I want to know God's heart on matters. I want to know what he thinks. I want to know insight on this situation. And I want to please the Father in every increasing way. That really will will set your life on a path of being blessed and encouraged by the Lord. But you've got to come to the cross first. That's the pattern. The pattern is dying to yourself. You go, Ed, where do you get that from? Well, notice, notice back with me in verse 28. Jesus says, when you lift up the Son of Man, then you will know. And in another place in the Scriptures, in John chapter 12, verse 32, Jesus said, and if I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all peoples to myself. Unfortunately, that has been a misused Scripture in the church. And the way it's been used in many circles of the church today is that, you know, come on, everybody, we're here to gather together. Uh, We're going to start singing together, so let's really lift up Jesus. Come on, everybody, lift up Jesus so that as we're lifting him up, we just know he's going to bless us. We know he's going to draw us to himself. And that's not what the Scripture's saying at all, that we somehow lift up Jesus in order for him to draw near. You know, the very moment that you opened your eyes, the presence of the Lord was with you right there. And you know what? He didn't just show up. I know we use that kind of language, but Jesus was supporting you and sustaining you while you were sleeping. Aren't you glad that you're not responsible for your heart beating when you're sleeping? Because then what happens? You know, what are you going to set the alarm every 30 seconds? You know, sleep, oh, start heart. Okay, okay, I got to get some sleep, start heart. No, he put some things in our lives to take care of us even while we're resting in him. So you can get a good night's sleep, God takes care of your heart. So you can get a good night's sleep, God takes care of your breath. So you can get a good night's sleep and rest in him, he takes care of your mind and removes anxious thoughts from you. 
So the presence of the Lord is there. When he says lift it up, he's not talking about some artificial church service where let's scream louder, let's sing louder, let's just really lift Jesus up. It's very simple. What he's, what he's saying is when you lift up the Son of Man is a direct reference to the crucifixion of Jesus. When I'm hanging on a tree dying for your sins, you'll know. You'll get it then. And same with the passage in John. When I'm lifted up through that act of the death and resurrection, I will draw people. People will come to me. And he's given them a chance long before he dies to believe in him. And what happens in verse 30? He spoke these things and many people believed in him. Why is it important for you to keep talking to that person at work about Jesus? Even though they come up with crazy questions or they argue with you all the time or they give you all that pushback and they make fun of your God and they make fun of your Bible. You know, why? Why are you going to continue to be patient with them, just taking them along and answering their questions and telling them about what God's doing in your life? Why? Because verse 30 is going to come for many of them. Verse 30 is coming for their lives. And I know they're not there yet. I mean, think of your life. I mean, especially those of you that got saved later in life. Think about all the things that you did when God sent people into your life. I mean, I can't, I can't even begin to tell you the kind of things that I said and the kind of things that I tried to do. To, to, even way back in high school, when I found out somebody was a Christian, man, I really gave it to them. I mean, in ways that I'm not proud of because I just wanted to see if it was real. And I just wanted to mess with someone that, thought they, that I perceived that thought they were better than me. And yet, they didn't give up on me. They didn't give up on me. They didn't give up on me. And in my life, verse 30 finally came. Verse 30 finally came. As these words were spoken, many believed. So don't give up on people in your life. I know it's hard. I know they ask questions that they're just digging at you and maybe making fun of your God or making things hard for you. Uh, but don't give up on them because verse 30 is your hope. You really, you're, you're sharing because you love them and because you care for them. Just like Jesus gives you the model. Don't give up on them. Verse 31. Jesus said to those Jews who believed him, if you abide in my word, you're my disciples indeed. And you shall know the truth, and the truth will make you free. Beautiful words of freedom. And Jesus is giving the pattern here of which we see in our own church. Remember the vision of our church? It's very simple. It's win, disciple, and send. So we see that God wants to use us to see people saved, won over to the love of God. That's what's happening here. Many people believe. And then the very next thing we do with new believers is what? Disciple. And that's what Jesus is doing. He says, now with those that believed, he immediately, this would be the equivalent of like you responding to the invitation today and you coming up to the front here to pray with the pastor and we begin to tell you what it means to follow. That's what he's doing here. If you really want freedom and you really want to live living for me, then abide in my word, Jesus says. That's where true true. release and freedom comes that's where truth resides is abiding in his word pastor ed taylor on where freedom is found abiding in jesus and his word and this is abounding grace to give this study in the gospel of john a second listen just go online to aboundinggraceradio.com or listen through the calvary church app you can search for ed taylor to download that today 
You know, it's one thing to get married and a whole other matter to stay that way. And today we'd like to recommend a book written by Steve Carr called Married and How to Stay That Way. It contains a wealth of practical solutions all based in the Bible. Written in a counseling style with practical encouragements from start to finish. It even includes discussion questions at the end of each chapter and a study guide. It's a great book to go through with your spouse or in a small group Bible study. And we'll gladly send you a copy for a donation of $25 or more to Abounding Grace. And thank you for remembering us in your prayers and your giving to the Lord. Your gift, whatever the size, will serve to help us reach thousands with the message of Christ. Reach us toll free at 877-30-GRACE. Again, that's 877-30-GRACE. You can also request this and other resources online at calvaryco.store. If you just like to make a donation and you're not interested in the pick of the month, you can just go online to AboundingGraceRadio.com. Connect with us through social media. We're on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube. There's a link to each page at AboundingGraceRadio.com. Another study in the Gospel of John coming up next time on Abounding Grace with Pastor Ed Taylor. May God richly bless you with His abounding grace. This is amazing grace This is unfailing love That you would take my place That you would bear my cross You laid down your life That I would be set Abounding Grace is brought to you by Calvary Church, Colorado, here in Aurora. 